and welcome to episode 71 of the Night Gallery Podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Today we're going to be talking about deliveries in the rear. It's the first story from episode 19 of season 2. Originally broadcast on February the 9th, 1972. And was written by Rod Serling and directed by Jeff Corey. And as I sit here and the night starts coming in and I've got a stiff drink in hand, it's probably right for a story that is, although not supernatural or ghostly, still very macabre. Paintings that are frequently as much formaldehyde as they are pigment. So upon viewing, if you sense a touch of the grave, the morgue, the concrete slab, count yourself more or less normal in terms of your taste in art, at least this art. Number one entry. A painting that suggests a story replete with gaslight, handsome cabs, and cadavers. An all-star cast of corpses appearing in what we call Deliveries in the Rear. Delivered to you now on Night Gallery. So we're in 19th century New England. And our story is about a man called Dr. John Fletcher. He's a teacher, mainly, a teacher of surgery. And um, he's not averse to using grave robbers to get hold of the cada- his cadavers. Police are starting to get interested, though. Not all the bodies that he's getting seem to be coming from the ground. They also, one of them seems to be, uh, well, our Birkenhair style grave robbers deliver a body that's only been dead for two hours. The Doctor is a morally ambiguous man now. He is... uh, He seems to believe that the loss of life uh, is there, but it doesn't matter as much because it is the greater good. Um, He's really not bothered, particularly if the people that get picked up are just drunks from the street. This leads to an argument with Fletcher's fiancé's father, um, Mr. Bennett. Uh, And also, um, Barbara harbours some concerns as well, mainly because it appears that Dr. Fletcher is more keen on being, uh, well, on his medicine and teaching his students than possibly the life he wants to start with Barbara. It does strike me that we tread on thin ice here. Rumor has it, according to Shockman, that you and certain others accept delivery of these corpses with no question at all as as to where they came from. Well, that unfortunately has become the case. But you see, Mr. Bennett, it's very rare that the uh, surviving loved ones allow us to move into the graveyard after the sad ritual. And therefore, we are forced to deal with the dregs, the scum, a, a, a breed of social subhumans who have no qualms about their profession. Well, that's just the point. What is their profession? To rob graves? To, to murder? John, you can't be a part of that. I am no part of it, Mr. Bennett. I do not sell shovels. I do not fill holes. I do not order assassinations. I am a surgeon, sir, and I teach surgery to others. That clip there between um, Mr. Bennett and Fletcher shows exactly the kind of 
banter that's going on between them. There's a, there's a great deal of concern, and Mr. Bennett is very certain that uh, Fletcher is taking some very extreme risks with his, with uh, what he's doing. There's um, here's more problems than just the disapproval of his prospective father-in-law, though. Uh, John is um, being troubled by the police who are looking for a drunk a man called Charlie whose wife who herself is uh, you know uh, not averse to, to enjoying the bottle unfortunately had overheard our uh, our grave robbers and uh, our nameless grave robbers that and had uh, come over to, to, to try and uh, uh, and find out if what she'd heard by them was true. Uh, the police says to the police that when he's asked about what cadavers he has and if one of them is Charlie, he says, um, he, well, he says that the, uh, the only cadaver he has is a woman, which is a lie. And the police says he's going to come and get a permit and go and check this fact contact the grave robbers and they decide once they go to, uh, to fight to see if they can buy a body from a local doctor and discover that it's a bloke and not a woman they decide that it's far too cold to be going out digging up uh, dead people and so go on the hunt instead for a, a victim a female victim the deal is done the police are poo-pooed away and it all seems to be coming up roses for an increasingly cocky and arrogant Fletcher he uh, while his, his wife's well, his, his fiance's father is in the stands and all the students he addresses the crowd it's for his, what will probably be his last ever lecture and so that there's no misunderstanding among any of you in this room, no individual life is of any consequence if it means the saving of many lives. That, gentlemen, is the first and cardinal lesson you must learn. And now, we will begin tonight's session. The screams that you hear there are because on the slab is Barbara, butchered by our grave diggers and grave robbers, and now left just to be another one of the faceless cadavers. Okay, so um, that's uh, that's our story, and. Um, Although, you know, it's, it's a cl quite classic, style, macabre horror tale. It does stand out something a little different from um, a lot of the stories in Night Gallery. Um, Laird stories frequently come, you know, have uh, some form of monster in them. Or, uh, you know, the hope, uh, the, the insinuation of the supernatural. Even if it is a trick or a ruse. Serlin certainly goes for the more uh, 
and the more ghoulish. And this isn't based on an original story, but I think it's one of the times when, when Night Gallery works really well, it can be, um, you know, all about tone and atmosphere. Um, and I think that's this. That's very much something that happens with this story. It isn't perfect, and I know some people don't like it, but I think that's partly because it is quite different, and I think the episode as a whole uh, doesn't touch on supernatural elements at all. And I think if you set yourself up as Night Gallery sometimes, that can be a disappointment. There's an interesting flow to it, very much a, an e the evil that men do, and we'll be touching on this over the next few weeks as well as we go on through the entire episode. Um, the other thing I'd say is it has something in it that is very distinctly sailing. Sailing allows both sides to have their arguments with this in the case of whether these bodies should be used. Um, he starts off you know, you get you get very much the from the clip I played, which is one of the reasons why I, put, I chose that clip, the the first one with the uh, between her and uh, between him and his um, potential father-in-law. The um, they they kind of banter about you know the moral implications of this kind of action and whether it's right or wrong, and and uh, Fletcher is increasingly becomes uh, more of a monster possibly until he's kind of yanked at the end, the rug get pulled out from under him. I mean, he knows the body's different, you know, he's, he just doesn't care, cause he, he, he's, and he's able to mask those opinions with, um, with this idea of a greater good. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, while Sailing kind of lets, up to a point, there is a moral ambiguity, uh, again, kind of Uncle Rod comes along and uh, at the end kind of basically tells you what to think. Um, you know, the, the the idea that, you know, you have to take responsibility, not just for your actions, but the actions that you, you create in other people, your responsibility in the group and in the community is quite large. Uh, you know, and he does have... Um, you know, he has responsibility for those two grave robbers. There's no doubt about it. Um, so you can kind of emphasize with him, empathize with him, I should say, when it when it all goes wrong, when it all comes crashing down for him. But at the same time, he's such a pompous ass that you kind of you kind of forget, you know, that he's he just there's an element to it. I think a sense of dread. That last scene when you're waiting to see, well, you can kind of guess where it's going to go. But you kind of see him heading towards, um, to head towards the end. I mean, he's kind of, you know, you know what's going to be under the under the, the sheet. You kind of, you know, urging him to get to, like, oh, you know, stop talking about how important what you're doing is, and get to the get to the horror. And uh, I suppose. In a lot of ways, that kind of sense of dread is where the real scare comes in. I mean, the entire thing's kind of grim and a bit grimy, but it's scary only in the sense, or you know, horrifying only in the sense that Hammer Horror is, you know. It's not got a great deal of feel to it. It's quite gritty kind of storyline, but in the end, it's not particularly um, frightening, I would say, until that moment and you see him finally crack, as it were. 
it's a good looking uh, story considering the fact, I mean the number of times you say, you know, it's obviously a back lot in California. It's obviously a universal back lot. Um, Joe Alves does a reasonable job with limited funds. You know, you gotta get gotta get some fog in there. I mean it's also the way Jeff Curry shot the thing. Um it has uh, it's got a good look to it, you know. The the uh, there's a great uh, scene when the camera when it when it's got close ups to the grave robbers, particularly when they're about to do something especially bad, when effective when they're about just to go and kill Barbara. Um they um the camera kind of like gets really distorted and it's in the face. And that shot's replicated a little bit later on as well with uh, with the Doctor, Doctor Fletcher. And I think that's good, you know, kind of shows how, you know, his his descent effectively into somebody who can condone murder for his own gain, which is effectively what he is doing. Um, and it's that it's got a great look to it, that. The acting's robust enough. Uh, Peter Whitney and John Madison played our grave robbers. Uh, Cornel Wilde supposed the big name in it, uh, and he played uh, John Fletcher, and uh, there was Ken Smith as Mr. Bennett. They're, they're all solid performances. Uh, Sale and script is good. I mean, again, you can argue about the heavy hand moral tone, but you know he does do that, and uh, it is there in this case. Um, and normally as well, I would say, oh, they had massive problems with you know filming and stuff, but apparently it went quite smoothly. To the point that um, it, it 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 actually you know the uh, the, the person who paid uh, Barbara, which was uh, Rosemary Forsyth, um, says like I remember passing a great deal the night before. She says, "Am I right for filming?" She means, "I'm being very worried about not having enough sleep." Someone to please from she she'd gone out basically and went to the makeup room, and uh, but luckily. Her, uh, her job was just to be to, to play dead. She adds, it was due for me to stay out so late when I had to be at work the next morning. The first thing they did was lay me down on the slab. They told me that my eye, eyes were fluttering, that I didn't I didn't even pass for a good corpse. <laughs> which is uh, which is good. That's uh, taken from the After Hours tour, uh, Scott Skelton, Jim Benson book. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it must have been a heavy night that though, wasn't it, to be fair to her. Uh, but you know, it, it seems to have been quite quite lightly done. The characters are like it, you know, it's a good ensemble cast of good quality um, uh, character actors, really. And I think that shows, you know, good good solid work. Um, no one has to really go out the way to be amazing, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't well done. This was a sticky one, Doctor, as you can imagine. A hundred dollars for this delivery. Okie dokie. If you want to contact me, you can do, and we'd love you to. Uh, there's still lots of different ways to do it. I mean, the easiest start-up points to go to www.thetwilightzonenetwork.com. There's links to our Facebook and our Twitter. Uh, and you can catch me on my private uh, email, uh, Twitter at, at orange underscore monkey, or you can email at chris at thetwilightzonenetwork.com. Uh, next week we continue with the slightly macabre themes of somebody trying to off a woman. Uh, it's called "It Stop Killing Me," which is okay, a bit long, but it does involve Geraldine Page really going for it, which is fantastic. So, until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.